What do you say? One sleep closer to the divisional round. Going to be an amazing weekend. And we are all over it. Welcome to the jungle. Good morning. Good afternoon. What's going on? My name is Jim Rome. Nice to have you here. All right. Good, good show for you. You know how Thursday happens. You know what we do on Thursdays? We do the beef segment. Let me jump right to it because I know a lot of you want a beef. I've got two really good interviews, really good interviews, and a beef segment. The beef segment is at the top of hour number three. So if you kind of want to gauge your morning and decide how you want to approach it, know that. We are beefing at the top of hour number three. Phone number in the meantime is one 636 8686 Coming up at 940. These are, of course, Pacific times. 940. A member of the NASCAR Hall of Fame class of 2024, my dude, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson going in. Of course he is. He's going to join me at 940. Top of hour number two. Got to get more Texans karma. Just have to. I have to. Blake Cashman coming back on the program. We'll have that for you at the top of the second hour. In the third hour, what's your beef? You can beef about anything you want. So hit me up on the phones. Do it right now. If you want to find me on the X, you can do so at Jim Rome. And you know to email me, Rome, R-O-M-E, at habitate.com. Good to see the phone calls ringing already. Lots of topics. The coaching carousel, the divisional round matchups, a ton of NFL Why don't we start with the Cowboys? I want to start the show by saying that there was a rather suspicious and unfamiliar silence emanating from Dallas. That was yesterday. But it's always jarring, right? Because if Jerry Jones is not bumping his geriatric gums and pointing those beady eyes at the nearest TV camera, then you know something is up. It's really unusual. You don't see that very often. And then last night, Jera broke that silence. Well, technically, he did not break that silence. He announced what he had to announce through a written statement. But with a written statement, he said the following, in part, quote, I believe this team is very close and capable of achieving our ultimate goals and the best step forward for us will be with Mike McCarthy as our head coach. End of quote. (laughs) Good one, Jarrah. Man, you slay me, Pops. Good one, Jarrah. Even Les thought that was funny. Even that creepy dude thought that was funny. Even Billy Koch thought that was funny. Everybody thought that was funny. Laugh out loud. That guy thought it was funny. Good one, Jera. <laughs> Don't do that one again. Hey, hey Jera. <laughs> Feel free, Jera, to never ever learn. Signed the rest of the NFC East. Signed the rest of the NFL. Signed every single person who loves watching the Cowboys fail. War... <laughs> making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again, yet expecting different results. Am I right, Jera? It's really not that surprising that Big Mike is coming back. I mean, at all. That's kind of the problem, right? It's the same crap over and over, over and over, and over again. 
over it's just over more of Jarrah's delusional over nonsense. Over no matter how many times Jarrah tries to convince himself and everybody else that his Cowboys are, quote, very close, end quote, to achieving their, quote, ultimate goals, end quote, it won't make it true. No matter how many times you tell yourself that, Jarrah, it will not make it true because it's not true. And that's the entire point. That is the entire problem. If everybody thought the Cowboys were, quote, very close, then Big Mike's job status would not have been the biggest question in sports this week. If the Cowboys were actually, quote, very close, they would not have just gotten curb stomped in their own house by the youngest team in the NFL. Hey, Jera, I thought that was one of your, quote, most surprises when that happened. Uh, this is uh, one of my most surprises. If the Cowboys were, quote, very close to winning a Super Bowl this year, they would have actually gotten very close to winning the Super Bowl this year. Instead, you like that one, Albie? Instead of crashing out in the most humiliating fashion at home on a wild card weekend. In fact, if the Cowboys were, quote, very close to winning a Super Bowl at any point in the last 29 years, then they would have played in an NFC championship at some point over the last 29 years. But they haven't even done that. And they are no closer right now to those, quote, ultimate goals than they were a year ago. In fact, they're further away from those ultimate goals because last year they at least won a playoff game. So Mike McCarthy is not very close. And he's not even moving in the right direction. Who, and here's the thing, Jared tries to make the argument with the following, like, we won 12 games. We won the division. Who gives a damn about a 12-win regular season? Who gives a damn about Dak playing better in the regular season? It's hard to get hyped about any of that considering both took another giant dump in their pants yet again when it mattered most in the postseason. Now, I'm not even trying to put it all on Dak. Just the opposite. Everybody was terrible. That allegedly vaunted and allegedly elite defense was horrendous. Nobody looked ready to play. Nobody looked up for that game. And that's probably why they found themselves down 27-0 in the second quarter. We all saw it, which is why we were all wondering if it was going to cost the big fella his job. Well, we all saw it, except apparently for Jarrah, the only one who matters. Jarrah, on the other hand, is busy touting Mike's regular season wins. Check out this statement from yesterday. Quote, Mike has the highest regular season winning percentage of any head coach in Cowboys history, and we will dedicate ourselves in partnership with him, to translating that into reaching our postseason goals. Wow, Jarrah, really? He has the highest regular season winning percentage. My dude, why don't you hang a banner for that? Why don't you throw yourself a parade for that? Why don't you declare yourselves Super Bowl champs for that, Jarrah? Why don't have a Lombardi replica trophy made for that? No, in fact, get a real trophy. Why even play next season? What's the point? You already have the winningest regular season. 
coach in Cowboy history. What else is there to play for? What matters? You just said it. What matters? I'll tell you something else. You know what you did? You totally wasted your time finally putting Jimma in the ring of honor. Since Jimma does not have the highest regular season winning percentage of any coach in Cowboys history. No, all Jimma has is two Lombardis. And he set the next guy up for a third. But who cares about any of that? Clearly, Jarrah should have passed over Jimma one more time in order to fast-track Big Mike into the ring of honor because obviously Jarrah thinks that Big Mike is more deserving. Let's just totally gloss over the fact that as soon as it crosses over into the postseason, Big Mike's teams crumble and gag and choke and die. And this latest disaster was so catastrophic that it really should have clued the old man in finally. See, that's where I come out on this. No, this is nothing new. It happens all the time. Except it was different this time. This time it was different. Or it should have been different. It was that embarrassing. It was that catastrophic. They were that unprepared. They were that outclassed. They were that undisciplined. This time, it should have been different because it was different because it was the worst collapse that's ever happened. And yet, despite all that, nothing changed for Jarrah. Jarrah still wants to talk about the regular season wins and sell us on this idea that we're very close, even though we can all see that you're not close at all. You're actually very far, and you're moving in the wrong direction. But like I said at the very top, no surprise. No surprise, Jera gonna Jera. And old people just don't like change. I'm not here to crack on old people. Mike Lombardi made that point yesterday on our podcast. He said it. He's like, look, people who are older don't want to change. And he applied that to Jera. I asked him what he thought Jera was going to do, and he kind of answered it like that. Like, hey, listen. And then, and then he did also make a lot of points that Jera made. In fact, it's almost eerie. Mike Lombardi on my podcast before the decision came down said almost the exact same things that Jarrah ultimately said. Like, you know what? They did win 12 games and Dak did have his best year and he did so when they changed play callers and on and on and on and on, point by point. But my point is Mike Lombardi made the point, old people generally do not like to change. I think people are misreading this completely. Everybody thinks Jerry was going to make a change because he's 83 years old. Okay. Look, I'm, I'm old. And, and so I know change is hard. Older people don't want to change. You think he really wants to go through a whole new coaching search, go through a whole new coaching staff. I don't think so. I think what he'd rather do is manage what he has. I think what he'd rather do is handle what he has. I think he'd rather make changes internally but not wholesale changes now i could be wrong but when you're his age change is hard you tend to eat the same thing every day you tend to have the same habits every day you know what you want you're older and you do what you want to do and i think that's kind of where i see this thing the thing about that is you all right real yeah. <laughs> That's the old guy. Now, Mike Lombardi did not say that in response to the announcement. Mike Lombardi came on my podcast, and he said that prior to it. He said that before Jerry did what Jerry did, and then Jerry did what Jerry did, and said almost exactly what Mike was saying. Old people don't want to change. And I'll tell you something else. They don't want to admit they're wrong. And we all know Jerry. 
likes things done a certain way. His way. He likes hogging all the attention, hogging all the credit. He's not comfortable being uncomfortable. Remember that whole thing about Jarrah? Jarrah as that ultimate risk taker? Man, that was so long ago. That was decades ago. He's not that guy anymore. He's the old guy that doesn't want to change. He's the old guy who's comfortable running the same act over and over and over again. There's a good reason why that act never ends in a Super Bowl victory. You know what it comes down to? That Packers game? It could not have gone any worse, and it still didn't matter. Clearly, even though Jarrett said prior to that, we're going game to game, that was a lie. Jarrett was not going to fire Big Mike no matter what happened in that game or in these playoffs because they couldn't have gone any worse. And here sits Big Mike with his job. Big Mike fits the way Jarrett wants to do things. And that's the most important thing in Big D. Don't forget it. Winning a Super Bowl would be nice. I'm not saying that he doesn't care. I'm not saying that he doesn't want one. But you know what's nicer than winning a ring? Jarrett doing it his way. That'll always be the top priority. Although I'll also say this. Jarrett's other top priority, the other thing he values more than actually winning a Super Bowl, attention. Eyeballs, chatter, buzz, good or bad. He doesn't care. He just wants people, especially his own fans, fired up. Fired up over him, fired up over his team. And that's the thing. That's the thing. I don't think Cowboy Fan is. Cowboy Fan, you tell me I'm wrong. I want to hear from you today, now that this is official. Because Cowboy Fan, to me, Cowboy Fan apathy feels like it's at an all-time high right now. Cowboy Fan feels like they've totally checked out. Like they're beaten down. Or totally defeated. Or both. Cowboy fan apathy is supposed to be Jarrett's worst nightmare. I'll give an example. I'm not hearing from Cowboy fan. Not after that beatdown. Not when the speculation started that they might want a new head coach. No Cowboy fan was coming up in here and saying, Hey, Rome, we got to have Belichick. We have to have Harbaugh. Hell, we got to have Mike Vrabel. We got to have anybody. I wasn't hearing any of that. By comparison, Steeler fan, on the other hand, cannot wait to run up in here. Steeler fan cannot wait to run up in here and tell me I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Steeler fan can't wait to run up in here and tell me what a disgrace and fraud and how smug Mike Tomlin is. Steeler fan's not down. Steeler fan's not apathetic. Steeler fan hasn't checked out. Steeler fan is raging harder than they ever have. They're ready to let the hands go with anybody who even suggests that Tomlin knows what he's doing. The Yinzers, man, they might be pissed as hell, but I'll tell you what they're not. They're not apathetic. Jarrah, your fans don't even seem to care because your fans seem to finally be figuring out your BS. Like they know it's coming. Cowboy fans sees that when push comes to shove, getting humiliated in the postseason is actually totally acceptable. It's okay, as long as Jarrett can keep doing things Jarrett's way. In other words, it has never been more obvious to Cowboy fan and everybody else that all that lip service and all that Jarrett-Atrick gum flapping about a Super Bowl is just that, lip service and Jarrett-Atrick gum flapping. He didn't want to start over. 
He didn't want to change the way he does things. He's old. Old people don't like change. Stuck your finger in the wrong hole. Michael Lombardi said as much. Mike said, I'm old. I know. Old people don't like change. 1-800-636-8686. I want your thoughts. I want your reaction. Get up in here. How do you not have a take on that? Wait, are you waiting for my take on Philadelphia and Nick Sirianni and what's going to happen and whether or not they'll make a change there? Not yet. Not yet. But nothing's been decided with the Eagles. And I've got thoughts on that too. What does Sirianni have to do to keep his job? Is he in danger of losing his job? You know, much like the Cowboys, Sirianni's got some prominent Eagles that have his back. All right. The thing I would say to that is this. If the players wholly support their coaches and have their back and so badly want to say, we wouldn't be where we are without them, where were you when he needed you? (laughs) Where were you when it mattered most? On the field in the postseason. Also, you've got a great matchup, I think. Tampa Bay and Detroit. A little bit of war words going back and forth. C.J. Gardner doing what C.J. does. Talking bleep. And Baker Mayfield caught a stray. And I want to talk about how Baker handled that. I mentioned Mike Lombardi. I may try and get to a preview of that podcast. It's really good. I meant to talk Jim Ursay yesterday. Couldn't get to it yesterday. I might get to it today. And again, it's a beef day. So coming up in hour number three, start thinking about it right now, though. Think about it right now. What do you want to beef about? You can beef about anything you want, sports or non-sports. At PJ and Mile High is in first. Quote, as someone who does relish in the Cowboys losing circus, thank you, Jarrah. Keep the football nonsense coming and go ahead and circumcise those mosquitoes while you're at it. I'm circumcising the mosquito. Here, Rome. At this point, I would rather have Jared from Subway as the head coach. Pissed off Cowboys fan. Carl and DFW. All right, so on the one hand, thank you. A Cowboy fan that's not apathetic. A Cowboy fan that actually does care. On the other hand, no thank you for finding the one guy you wouldn't rather have. Where do you pull that from? I'd rather have that formerly obese turned thin pedophile over Jarrah. I'd rather have Jared over Big Mike. Come on, man. I tried to watch that doc. I got one ep into the doc and then I stopped. They lost me. Romy, from all Packer fans, and Aaron Rodgers, to Dallas fan. Welcome to the party, pal. Here's to always losing in the playoffs in dramatic fashion. Good luck on your future endeavors. War love taking down the 49ers this weekend. Dan in Green Bay. See, that's the thing, right? Aaron Rodgers used to catch a lot of heat for, quote, only winning one ring. He played for Mike McCarthy the whole time, virtually. Not only is it not a problem or a negative that he only won one ring, it's a miracle that he won that one ring playing for Big Mike. 
Hey, Jim, my beef is with Jerry Jones. After 29 years of misery, we can now be assured in a year from now, it'll be 30 years of misery. Honestly believe he doesn't care if they win a Super Bowl. Doug in Rome, New York. You know, my reaction to that is I think he does. I think he does. I think he wants to win a Super Bowl. I just don't think that he cares as much about that as having things his own way, doing things his own way. What do you mean? If the Super Bowl were the main thing, he would change up, and he's not. Look at his legacy of coaches. Other than Bill Parcells, he's got guys that are very pliable, very amiable, willing to fit right in. They're not challenging him. They let him be the main show. He's their brand. He's their show. What he doesn't want is a strong-willed head coach pushing back on him. Why do you think Jason Garrett was there so long? Why do you think Big Mike's getting another year? And how about that? Notice he said, we're not making a change. But what he didn't say is, we're extending him. So now what you have is a big, fat, lame duck situation. Have fun with that. You're going to get those questions all year long now. This is why they do deals two years out. So you don't have to deal with that in the last year. At DCook 406, Rome, your favorite thing is, quote, content. You will have plenty of content over the next 12 months because of Jarrah. Can't wait till this time next year when Dallas flames out. Again, can't wait. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Why would it be any different next year? This is the whole point. This is why you need to make a change. If you keep doing the same things over and over and over again, why would you expect a different result? Because according to Jarrah, quote, we're close. We're this close. You're not. You just got hammered in the wild card round by the youngest team in the NFL who is a seven and a half point dog at home. What do you mean you're this close? A round earlier than you got hammered last year. Not only are you this close, you're further away than you were. And where you were was not this close. The guy makes no sense at all. Hey, man, his team, though. Do what you want. Just don't expect anybody to buy that nonsense, Jarrah, because that's what that is. It's garbage. It's garbage. Garbage. 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. As I go to break, I just want to know, Cowboy fan, do you even give a damn? I know Steeler fan does. Steeler fan is likes to fight fan. Steeler fan really gives a damn. They've been coming in for weeks. Weeks. Listen, their flameout was not even that much of a flameout. It was to be expected. That's They are who they are. They're a 10-7 team. Nobody said the Steelers were going to win the Super Bowl. Nobody said Kenny Pickett was an MVP candidate. Nobody said they'd win 10 games. You, on the other hand, were supposed to be in at least the championship game. And then to the Super Bowl and maybe win it all. Tomlin maximized what he had, yet Steeler fan is so much more upset than Cowboy fan, which makes no sense to me. Cowboy fan, where are you? There is the difference right there. That's Jerry's worst nightmare. Not losing the way he lost, but his fans not caring. That's what he's most afraid of. And from what I can gather, y'all just don't care. 
At least that's what I'm basing what the reaction I'm not getting on. All right. Those are my thoughts. Jimmy Johnson, 940. Blake Cashman, top of our two. What's your beef? Top of our three. Hey, why is Old Trapper beef jerky pretty much the best stuff ever? Why don't we start with the fact that it's a family business? You know, I hammer that point quite a bit because it's really important. It's a family business that knows that business, and they have a standard. And the standard is the standard. And the standard is one of quality. And they produce the world's finest beef jerky. All beef jerky is not one and the same. You can't go to a store and just grab it off the shelf and say, hey, wait, wait, what? there's something different here. Right. You didn't grab Old Trapper. That's what's different. Every bite of Old Trapper is tender. It's never tough because they do use just the best ingredients. And they don't have to, but they do. Conscious decision. Four great flavors. Grab and go with a four-ounce bag or load it up with an 18-ounce bag if you want the one that you know that you like best. If you do not see it, and at this point, how could you not? It's always there. But if for some reason you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? All right, so really quickly, Jimmy Johnson coming up next segment. It's going into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Here's some quick reaction. This is from at this dude, Jaime, or Jamie, one or the other. Quote, I'm a 57-year-old, lifelong Cowboys fan. I came up on Staubach, Dorset, Doomsday, and in my 20s when the triplets were winning rings. As long as Jerry is making money hand over fist, mediocrity will be acceptable. We'll have to wait another year for the glory hole days. You know what my reaction to that is? I'm a 57-year-old. I don't like that call. Are you a troll or are you not listening? The rest of it was fine. Again, in case you missed it, we have a rule. If you tell me your age, you get run. No matter who you are, no matter how old you are. Rest of it was fine. This one says, "Old people don't like change. We do." Signed, senior bums. Once again, no. no bum smack. You don't like that call. I don't like that. Two for two. Not a very good call. Romy, I'd rather see fat. Jardians girl jiggling on the sidelines as the head coach. Kevin in Sucky Cues. Um, three for three. You don't like the Jard Nation is not fair game on this show. Three for three. Rome, as a 49ers fan, I'll take Jerry Jones being the owner of the Cowboys for another 50 years. This guy will continue to put them in the ground. Mike and Stockton, everybody is saying that. I hate that line that blogs always use. Everybody has the same joke. But everybody has the same joke. They don't want this guy to go away. They want this guy to be around forever. They want this guy to live forever and run that team forever. Because nothing ever changes. Rome Slice. I love it when clones try to produce their takes. Especially when they've got nothing to add normally. Rome Slice. Insert Titanic theme song. 
Regards, Jarrah. Spooning with Big Mike as the Cowboys ship sinks. Signed, Geoff and Lincoln. War Fat Mike screaming, Hamburger! Right ahead! Good. Good one, Geoff. Get me some oxygen. Think they had a slumber party last night? <laughs> good one, Geoff. And by good one, I mean, when are you going to stop bothering me? Good one, Geoff. By good one, I mean, when are you going to stop hitting me up? When are you going to stop hitting this show up? When are you going to stop listening, Geoff? Hey, Geoff, I guess what I'm saying to you is that makes four. That's four for me. Not one, not two, not three. Four in one segment. Not three, not four. Not one, not two, not three, not four. Not four. All right, so Jimmy Johnson. We're going to go back to back. In fact, Jimmy Johnson is going into the NASCAR Hall of Fame because, of course, he is. You win seven series titles, you go in. We'll have a conversation with him next. Blake Cashman, top of the hour. Because I'm all about the Texans, no matter who they play. And then I've got that beef segment, top of hour number three. Hey, listen, the phone lines are ringing. I love it. That means either you're getting ready for the beef segment or you want in before. If you want in for both, that works too. one 636 8686 Here is your sports update. Live from Southern California. This is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. That's true, and pumped to be here. As promised, we will go back-to-back, top of the hour. Blake Cashman of the Texans will be joining us, but right now, we are joined by a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, two-time Daytona 500 champ, 83 Cup Series wins. He is the co-owner of Legacy Motor Club and part-time driver of their number 84 Toyota XSE. He is going to be inducted into the NASCAR Racing Hall of Fame tomorrow night in Charlotte. Of course, I'm talking about Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, my man, it is great to have you on. How you doing, Jimmy? Doing good, buddy. It's been a while. Thanks for having me on the show. It has been a while. It's great to have you back. It's always been good to have you on. So you are now a day away from auto racing immortality as part of NASCAR's Hall of Fame's 14th class. What have your emotions been like since you first learned of the honor last year? I'm just so grateful uh, to you know go into the hall and be with the greats of our sport. I mean, I, I knew I had an epic run and, and anticipated going into the hall someday. Uh, so that wasn't necessarily a surprise, but as you know, the honor is just around the corner and thinking about it, um, it's allowed me to reflect on my journey, um, what the sport is about, the journey of many that have built this sport. And, uh, and I guess it probably comes with some older age. I'm getting close to 50 now. You, know, you just look back and respect um, you know, the industry, the sport, and, and the ones before you in a much different way. I was going to say, Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson joining us. I was going to say, you know, you've come on this show for so many years, I feel like... Uh, I don't, know, I don't want to say we walk side by side in the journey, but you talked about all these things all the way through it. Like you just said, you're approaching 50. You have some time to kind of reflect on this, expand upon this. As you look back on that journey, that amazing journey, what are the first things that do come to mind? Uh, the people that made it happen along the way. You know, it, it, Many think that racing is just kind of a singular sport and it's just about the driver, but 
you know, the race teams, the size of the teams, and just how many races we have, and all the other variables that are involved, uh, really involve people. And the fact that I was able to, over 19 seasons, have the success that I did, that I did uh, the seven championships, the five in a row, I'm sure I played my part in it, but it, it was much bigger than me, and um, I'm just thankful, as I reflect back, that people believed in me, people gave me a chance, and I had very humble beginnings growing up in, in the San Diego area, with my mom as a school bus driver and my dad as a heavy equipment operator, and I mean, I made it to the big time without any financial backing, so people along the way had to believe in me and give me that, you know, give me that shot as well. Jimmy Johnson joining us, going to the Hall of Fame. You're right. It's a team sport, in effect, and you need those people around you. I think from that standpoint, it's really fitting that you're going to go into the Hall of Fame alongside your crew chief, Chuck Knauss, also part of the class. The two of you did combine for the seven cup championships, the NASCAR record five in a row. What do you remember about the early days of that relationship and partnership, and how would you describe the impact he's had on your career? Yeah, there's there's no one that has extracted more out of me and, and pushed me uh, like Chad has. And uh, we didn't know what our relationship was going to bring, uh, but there were a few things that were really special about the, the opportunity. And I'd say that the biggest one was the fact that the 48 car did not exist. So as Chad and I came on board at Hendrick Motorsports, we, were, we had a clean canvas. We were creating the team. We built the team. And that original group, and certainly Chad and I's relationship, was forged on such a deeper level as a result. And, you know, we both had uh, something to prove and a chip on our shoulder in a sense and just dug in, became great friends, had a great deal of respect for one another and uh, put lightning in a bottle. You know, Jimmy, you announced your racing schedule for the coming season and it's going to include the Daytona 500 on February 18th. But you're going to plan on running in nine Cup Series races as well. I'm curious, like you talk about having something to prove. Do you still have something to prove or are you just looking to have some fun? Because that is your most... You know, that's your fourth schedule since your last full-time season. So what led you to expand your schedule this year? You know, it's impossible to completely push away the, the something to prove thing, um, but it's the smallest it's ever been in my, in my mind my entire life. Um, yes, I want to be competitive. Yes, I want to be out there and do the best that I can. Um, but I, I, I want to have fun, you know, and I love what I do. You know, it's probably a bad analogy, but I think about a musician and, and say, a guitarist, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, you've been playing your guitar since you were a kid, and at 45, you're told you got to put it away and you can never touch it again. That's not going to happen. So I'm, I, I have this opportunity to drive, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. And it also does serve the purpose of um, helping our partners gain some more exposure. I'm able to work with our young drivers at Legacy MC. Um, so there's some aspects there on competition and business that also work. Jimmy Johnson joining us. I'm going to go back to that point in a minute. But Hall of Fame weekend, Jimmy stirs up memories of some of the sport's greatest moments, of course, some of the greatest rivalries in that sport. You know, as an example, you've got Donnie Allison also being inducted tomorrow, had that legendary fight with Cale Yarborough in 1979, right? At the Daytona 500, Jeff Gordon going at it with Dale Earnhardt for all those years. If you had to single out one driver, who would you say was your biggest rival on the track? I would say Jeff Gordon. In, in the most respectful way, and it may not have appeared that way on, on television week in and week out, but you know, inside of our walls at Hendrick Motorsports and the mark that he set before I arrived, um, he was my hero, and he was the most winningest driver and broke all the records. And um, as I was able to learn from him, and then I was able to compete against him and, and win a little bit, 
um, you know, his accountability and the little internal rivalry I created in my own head um, was probably the, the best one. Jimmy Johnson joining us. So as you look around the sport right now, who are some of the young drivers that stand out to you that have a chance to maybe be the future faces of that sport who might even join you one day in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's such a different landscape today with the playoff format and one race, winner take all. You know, the, the consistent nature that um, the sport was founded on has kind of been, been changed in some respects. But, you know, when you look at the big teams um, and the driver lineups that a lot of the big organizations have, um, you have your Kyle Larsons and Christopher Bells that I think kind of jump out first and foremost. But there are, there's a lot of young talent in the pipeline, and I feel like we have two um, young and aspiring drivers with Eric Jones and um, John Hunter Nemechek in our legacy MC cars. And you know, I, I certainly hope it's those guys, but uh, it's it's interesting, and you know, it's just an ever-evolving industry that uh, is more unpredictable than ever now. Jimmy, what about the industry? As I mentioned, you and I have talked for so many years. You were a part of that explosion of national interest in NASCAR in the early 2000s, and that allowed that sport to grow beyond a largely regional base. How would you evaluate the overall state of NASCAR today? I think NASCAR is in a really good place. Um, they were able to franchise the sport, essentially, <clears throat> a few years ago, and the uh, the charter system came about, and we're seeing the um, enterprise value essentially grow per charter and, and grow at a, a, an impressive multiple. Uh, we just had a new media rights deal uh, announced that is the richest one yet in the history of the sport. Um, I think I think all the partners involved that make NASCAR happen from TV, NASCAR itself, their track partners, marketing, the partners on the race teams, everyone has really um, lifted the sport up, and it's in a very strong position right now. So what about the media deal? The Cup Series recently announced a new streaming TV deal. How critical is a deal like that, especially as it relates to reaching and recruiting younger fans? Yeah, I, I don't envy NASCAR and or the TV broadcast folks trying to figure out the right ratio of streaming versus live television, but it's an ever-changing world, and we know technology is, is changing it. We know that younger people um, are consuming in a different way, and I commend our sport uh, to being flexible and open-minded about uh, you know, the current demands, and we'll just adjust as we need be. Jimmy, one more thing. I've talked to a lot of athletes in a lot of different sports, and even though they've been on the biggest stages with the highest stakes, a lot of them say that there's nothing more nerve-wracking than that Hall of Fame speech because they got to <laughs> nail it, and they want to make sure they get to everybody that they have to thank and acknowledge in a limited amount of time. How have you approached prepping your remarks for tomorrow night? Man, I thought I had it all dialed in, and probably 20 minutes before this call, I went back through it again, and I'm I'm cutting and pasting and moving and changing stuff now, and it's tomorrow, so the stress is real. I feel you. He is a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champ. He is a two-time Daytona 500 champ. He is a Hall of Famer. He is Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, congrats. It's been an amazing run, and I know you're not done yet. It's always great to have you on the show. You know I appreciate the friendship. I appreciate it, buddy. We need to get you back to a race. Yeah, man. The last one went so well. Remember when I broke the pace car? I'll never forget. We, we need to redo on that. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> Appreciate you, Jimmy. Thanks so much. He knows. He knows I did not. But that was one of my favorite moments ever. I got to ride with Jimmy in the pace car, on the track, just us, pace car. He's like, yo, man, you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, let's do this. It, it was the most unbelievable thing. Like, we're in the pace car, which was a vet, because of course it was. He got up to about a buck fifty. It's going 150, 
driving with his thumb or his knee on the wheel, like just messing with me. And I'm trying to play it off like I'm good, I'm fine, I'm not afraid, and I'm pretty afraid. Dude, this guy got so close to the wall, you can't even imagine how close to the wall. And he's driving at 150 with a thumb or a knee. And he's looking at me. And he's not looking at the track, and he's not looking at the wall because, of course, he's Jimmy Johnson, one of the greatest ever. So I play it off like I'm all good, and it's fine, it's normal. And then we come out, and he pulls the car off the track, back to where it's supposed to be, and then it just dumps. And I don't even know what it dumped. It dumped antifreeze, or it dumped oil, whatever it was. It just unloaded. Dump in your pants. And this woman, one of not a dump in the pants, but a dump in pit row, and not even in pit row, but off to the side. And one of the handlers just is up in my grill. You broke the pace car. I'm like, I broke the pace car. Riding shotgun. How did I break the pace car? She said, that was the exact phrase she used. You broke the pace car. And I'm like, how? What? I, I know nothing about rigs. She's like, you did. You broke the pace car. I'm like, ma'am, respectfully, I didn't do jack. I'm lucky to be alive right now. I didn't break the pace car. And then that became a thing. And I finally had to bring him back on several weeks after the fact. Jimmy, can you please set the record straight? Did I break the pace car? And he had my back. I don't know, man. There's always, somebody always has to be blamed. I guess I was the fall guy. Everybody needs a fall guy. I guess I was the brickyard fall guy that day. At least nobody accused me of crop dusting the pace car. Like those employees of Geisha House crop dusted my European exotic. I don't want to say they worked for me, but I will say that I was an, an investor in that restaurant. Walking around like I was important because I had like 2% of the restaurant or 1% of the restaurant. Valet dude didn't care. Crop dusted a car that I spent my whole life saving up for. There's respect. But thanks to Jimmy Johnson. All right, when we come back, Blake Cashman. I have to do whatever I can to get the Texans even more karma. He's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. You're in the jungle. I am Jim Rome. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 